Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, coming off of SummerSlam, has the bloodline jumped the shark? We look forward to all in and all out. And what does it mean that L.A. Knight just won the Slim Jim Battle Royal? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, boy. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Not Sam Wrestling. Just about uh, 24 hours later than usual, but still here for, what, at 4.59 or so. Hope everybody's doing great. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I am fresh back from Detroit, Michigan, where I got to have a lot of great conversations with a lot of great wrestling fans. And you know... There, that, that is something that's happening more and more. And as fan bases grow and as the product gets hotter, you've only got more and more people that are both watching and becoming invested in professional wrestling. People who watched casually are now becoming hardcores and some people who never watched at all are becoming hardcores. And I find myself in these conversations with people and usually they go great. But... I think that we've created just the greatest set of rules here at Not Sam Wrestling that any wrestling fan should abide by. I feel like if any of these rules are broken within the context of a of a conversation about the king of sport, sports entertainment, well, then that's not a conversation worth happening. I'm talking about, number one, speculate wildly. If we can't have a conversation where we are wildly speculating in an educated fashion, but still wildly speculating, then I don't know what conversation we're having. Number two, never fantasy book Randy Orton. I can't tell you. You come up to me on the streets of Detroit, Michigan, and you say, Sam, what do you think of Randy Orton? Ah, ah, no, no, no. We're not having this conversation, okay? We don't. Fantasy book, Randy Orton. We have no idea when he's coming back. And number three, of course, watch the product. Watch the product. I can't talk to you about the bloodline if you come back to me. Oh, is Jimmy Uso not been on TV? Watch the product. Don't waste my time otherwise. Other than that, uh, I had such a great time in Detroit. 
meeting so many of you. Of course, had a great time doing the Busted Open radio show with Dave LaGreca on Friday and Saturday. Got to host that. We got to interview a ton of WWE superstars. A lot of those interviews, not only available on the SiriusXM app, but the video will also be appearing uh, here at the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, also, of course, did the live Not Sam Wrestling show. And I got to thank so many of you for coming out to the live Not Sam Wrestling show at the House of Comedy in Detroit. Uh, doing those live podcasts are one of the more accomplishing feelings, accomplished feelings that I have. Like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a lot to take on, and it's just so rewarding to see so many of you come out for it, to see you guys have a good time and to hear from you guys after about uh, how much you enjoyed the show. It just, it means the absolute world to me. It's the it's the highlight of my professional life. It's so awesome. Want to thank Dave LaGreca and Chris Van Vliet for being a part of that show. Want to thank the gimmick attorney for being a part of that show and bringing me the Not Sam trademark officially. Don't try to use it, I will sue you. And of course, want to thank the WWE for sending Riddick, the former Madcap Moss, over to the Detroit House of Comedy to be a part of the live Not Sam Wrestling podcast. And that interview with Riddick will end up here on the podcast and on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube feed because it was really a great conversation with a guy who is incredibly interesting and hasn't had a ton of opportunity to tell his story. But the reason that we were all in Detroit, believe it or not, was not the live Not Sam Wrestling podcast. Well, there was a couple that was just coming to the live podcast and then going to watch SummerSlam on Peacock. But for the most part, the reason that we were all in Detroit, the reason I did a live podcast in Detroit is because SummerSlam was in Ford Field. Of course, Ford Field, the same spot where the WWE did WrestleMania 23 way back in the day. And it was really cool seeing uh, all in the Slim Jim Battle Royal, as a matter of fact, both MVP, who was accompanying uh, Omas, and The Miz, who was an entrant in the Battle Royal, were actually at WrestleMania. There was a great picture of uh, MVP in the Hurricane at Ford Field, who uh, MVP just posted about that being his first WrestleMania. And now, I talk about your full circle moments to come back to Ford Field is just really, really cool. Uh, great vibe going into the venue, 50,000 fans all there to see it as we talked about all the way leading up to it. Lots of good stories in just about every match. Um, so let's talk about it. I found it to be, uh, in terms of what others thought, a very polarizing show. Uh, I would say it's the first time this year that there wasn't a universal fan response of, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I mean, think about it. Think about the role WWE has been on, right? Going all the way back. I would go back as far as Survivor Series, but we're just talking about this year to make it simple. Royal Rumble into Elimination Chamber, into WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2, into Backlash, into Night of Champions, into Money in the Bank. We haven't had one show where fans have even had the option to say, ah, it wasn't so great. And for SummerSlam, I mean, some people are going crazy with their reviews on it. And, and I think that, you know, you do at some point become a victim of your own, uh, of, the, of the pace that you set. You become a victim of the fact that you've raised the standard so high that that's the standard that you have to meet. I left the show going, that was a really fun show. I had a good time at that show. Uh, for, ups and downs for sure. 
but a lot more ups than downs. Uh, and let's talk about those ups and downs, right? I would say that uh, the opener was a clear up. Logan Paul and Ricochet. I think Ricochet rose to the occasion. I think you had some great moments to the point where it was effective for two reasons. Number one, Logan Paul as a villain got a victory. And you got to have Logan Paul. This is Logan Paul's fourth singles match. And he's only two and two in singles matches. He beat The Miz, lost to Roman, lost to Seth. He's got to start racking up victories because otherwise... You can't be a cocky heel that loses all the time. Fans won't buy it. Like, it's like there's no way that this person actually has that kind of confidence. They lose all the time. I don't believe it. You can't, you can have fans not liking it. You can't have fans not believing it. Uh, and then the second part was, of course, to get his ass in them headlines for both the sake of Logan Paul and for WWE. I mean, the fact that Logan Paul wrestled the opening match, won it, jumped on a private jet, got to ringside for his brother Jake Paul's fight with Nate Diaz later on in the same night and left his gear on. And I love that he left his gear on down to the elbow pads. He could have taken the elbow pad. I mean, he could have changed on the plane, but Logan Paul is smart enough to know, or unless, if somebody tipped him off, but it seems like Logan Paul is smart enough to know that you want the image to be that I ran right out of my match in here. I had no time to do anything else. And here I am. And it's great for WWE because when you've got Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, you've got an entire audience, especially on that same Saturday. Clearly, there's a giant audience that is not watching WWE. Why is Logan Paul dressed like that? Why does he look sweaty and have neon yellow all over his body? Well, because he just came from SummerSlam. Oh, really? And then you click on the Twitter and you look for the clips and you look for the gifts and you look for the memes and there's all memeable moments. People were like, you know, they said it was going to be the most viral match of all time. I don't know if it was the most viral match of all time. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. The most viral match of all time in terms of Logan Paul is obviously going to be Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the biggest opponent you could possibly have in wrestling. But the fact that an article can come out in mainstream publications and say the Paul brothers have an incredible weekend, talk about Jake Paul knocking out Nate Diaz, but then also have a clip of Logan Paul backflipping off the top rope into a spinning DDT onto Ricochet. Bob's your uncle, baby. Mission accomplished. And I think also mission accomplished that Ricochet uh, got moved up several notches. Now, look, I think that the key here for Ricochet has to be that somebody has to try to pull what Logan pulled. Somebody has to go and insult Ricochet's girl again. And this time Ricochet has to fight for her honor and win. You can't just have Ricochet take the L and the last shot is Ricochet's girl reluctantly announcing Logan Paul's name. I don't think Ricochet is going to get a victory over Logan Paul in a return match anytime soon or at all. But if you have a, somebody else, another opponent, whoever it is, doesn't really matter who it is to tell you the truth. It could be Grayson Waller for all. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's on SmackDown, but you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Just have somebody else try to do the same stuff and Ricochet comes and beats that ass and goes to the pay-per-view and beats the next guy. Well, then Ricochet is saved face. He gets to take advantage of the standing that he gained in the match with Logan Paul and everybody wins. And that's what we want in pro wrestling. Everybody winning. And I think that everybody did win in the Cody versus Brock scenario. Well, I'll get to Cody versus Brock in a minute, actually. I want to, because to me, that was, if there was, I know they were advertising four main events, but to me, the, the two fights of the night 
was always going to be the bloodline, you know, the match that they painted the two guys' faces on the side of a building in Detroit, Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. And then Cody versus Brock, I think, was the secondary match there. You know, I think you could say, well, what about Seth versus Finn? That's the world title. And while, yeah, that's a big match, and everything going on with the Judgment Day only adds to it, I don't think it's as big as Cody versus Brock. Um, I was bummed out that Finn Balor didn't win the title. I, you know, I, I, I don't... I can't tell you that it's a good or a bad decision because I want to see what the plan is for the Judgment Day. I thought that the idea of the Judgment Day having everybody with a title or a briefcase and then also having that sort of hint of, is Damian Priest going to go after Finn Balor or is he going to go after somebody else? I felt like that was the energy we wanted going forward, but I don't know. Maybe they're hell-bent on breaking up the Judgment Day. I don't think it's a good idea. Judgment Day is so, so hot right now. It doesn't seem like it's a good idea, but we'll see. Um, in terms of, I, I think, two big questions coming out of that match. Number one, what happens there with Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and the rest of the Judgment Day? But number two, who's next for Seth Rollins? I don't think Seth Rollins can dip back into the Judgment Day pool again. He's beaten Finn clean twice. At some point, Damian Priest is going to cash in the briefcase, but I don't, I don't think we want a scheduled... Seth Rollins Damian Priest match before that happens it'll only take away from the moment so where do you go next and to me you could ask the same question about Cody technically and I think the answer potentially for either one I would say both but you can't do both you'd have to do either is I would think it's Drew McIntyre you know I think that uh we got Drew McIntyre versus Gunther it's one that everybody was looking forward to it, it was a great match you know I you know I, I just but it was just it was just a good match because ultimately the guy who should have won won Gunther and I don't know that it did anything more for Drew McIntyre. And the fact that it didn't do anything more for Drew McIntyre maybe tells us that in the incarnation that Drew is in right now, the character that Drew is in right now, that maybe maybe that's that's it for now. This is we've hit a wall. It's time to do the old refresh ski. And I think that it is time for Drew McIntyre to play up the fact that he lost his moment, to play up the fact that he carried this company on his back during the pandemic era, which really MVP could say the same thing. But Drew McIntyre could say he carried the company on his back during the pandemic era, that, that he was Seth Rollins. He was Cody Rhodes before the pandemic started. He eliminated Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble. He won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. He, this was his time. And he didn't get to have any of his moments in front of fans past the Royal Rumble. And he hasn't had that moment since. And now he's going to get it back. That's why, to me, you could either use it for Cody and go, I'm the chosen one. You followed my blueprint. I'm the one that went away and improved himself. And you're getting all the credit for it. Or Seth Rollins and say, like, Seth, you walk around with gold around your waist. That's my place. That's my spot. I'm the top guy on Monday Night Raw, and now I'm coming for it. And you need a mean Drew. You can't have a polite Drew. You can't have a Drew that's having fun anymore. You can't have a Drew with a sword. You can't have a Drew that likes the kids. You can't. That's not the Drew you want. You want the psychopath that came in from NXT. That's the Drew that I think we need right now. And eventually, if he does, I think, and I think he'll do a great job of it. And inevitably, what happens when he does a great job of it is. He's got no choice but to become a babyface. So that's kind of 
I kind of prefer it for Seth. I think there are more options for Cody than for Seth. Like Gunther is another option, right? I think that Gunther makes more sense for Cody than it does for Rollins. But this is also where the Intercontinental Championship, and we, we, I mean, it's the same. Championships are great opportunities, but they can also be a hindrance. Do you want to see Gunther versus Seth? Hell yeah. Do you want to see Gunther versus Cody? Hell yeah, Gunther versus Cody would be perfect, except for the fact that Gunther's the Intercontinental Champion. And you can't have Cody losing a ton of matches. But you also, you don't want Gunther to lose the title until until it's time to lose the title. And you don't want Gunther to lose the title in some kind of wonky way. You almost want him, I mean, it'd be interesting if he got right before the honky-tonk man's record and then lost it. But you almost want him to lose it somehow. And then right after that, start his rivalry with Cody Rhodes, right? Because I think that, you know, it, it's got to be similar to Brock in the sense that Gunther would have to be an insurmountable hill to climb but as long as he's got the intercontinental championship what what never because it's got to take cody more than a month to beat gunther so then we're looking at october november and cody's winning the intercontinental title from gunther if cody's the intercontinental champion at survivor series how when are we going to finish this damn story for god's sake so i'm not sure it'll be interesting um we did speaking of title changes see of course Two women's championship title changes. Ia, uh, uh, Bianca Belair winning the triple threat, which I didn't necessarily see coming. And then EO Sky cashing in her briefcase. Damage control at her side. Poetic as it was a year ago at SummerSlam 2022, damage control made their return to the WWE. Or I guess their debut as a whole, but it was Dakota and Bailey's return and EO's call-up. I want to say. Um, and a year later, a year after the formation of Damage Control, we've got EO uh, on top of the world as the women's champion. And that tension that was building before Dakota Kai got injured has kind of died down completely in Damage Control. So I don't necessarily see them going in that direction. Although I do, I don't see EO Sky as a villain champion. I don't see EO Sky not getting supported by the WWE universe. So I, I do feel like, I mean, think about who her opponents could be, right? It's like, whether she's in the ring with Charlotte, Charlotte's getting booed. EO's getting cheered. Bianca, EO's getting cheered if she's in the ring with Bianca. Like, I can't think of anybody who EO would get in the ring with that EO wouldn't be cheered. So I don't know if you do a double turn. I don't know if Bianca finally gets a heel turn. Bianca is also like getting pulled in a lot of directions in terms of sponsorships. So that's usually a sign that they're not going to turn somebody into a villain, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, but I am happy to see EO Sky win the title match. Of course, also in the women's division, you had the MMA match. Now the MMA match, uh, I think was a misstep. And I think it was because I said this on the podcast before SummerSlam, when people were uh, wondering if Shayna versus Ronda would be in the fight pit. And to me, I mean, I get the history. I get that Ronda is an all-time icon of the UFC. I get that MMA is where both Shayna and Ronda came from. But ultimately, Ronda established herself as one of the all-time dominant female WWE superstars. She was, 
She's more victories in a WWE ring than she does in a UFC cage. She was a multiple-time WWE Women's Champion. She's a WrestleMania main eventer in a WWE ring. So uh, the idea that you wouldn't just have a straight-up match to prove the point, right? Like, it's like if you're going to finally give somebody that victory over Ronda and give them the rub, I never was a fan of doing it in a fight pit or in any, just do a match. I always just thought no stipulation match was the way to go. And instead, they did an MMA match, which... I didn't know what it was, and I I don't know. Like, here's the thing. First of all, obviously it wasn't MMA rules because uh, uh, Matt Bennett was the referee. Matt ben and Bennett doesn't know any MMA rules. He's a wrestling referee. <laughs> but more importantly than that, it wasn't divided into rounds. There weren't judges. They, they weren't going by knockdown rules. It was, it, it was not clear what the rules of the match were. Moreover... I personally believe that while there is crossover between wrestling fans and, and MMA fans, people go to SummerSlam because they want to see pro wrestling. People go to UFC 291 because they want to see UFC. It's two different things. And I thought that the MMA rules match looked like a real fight, but nobody watches pro wrestling to see a real fight. People watch pro wrestling to see pro wrestling. They want it to look like pro wrestling. That's why we watch. If we wanted to watch a quote-unquote real fight, we would turn on a quote-unquote real fight. People pay a ticket to see pro wrestling. That's what they want to see is pro wrestling. And, and, and it gets confusing if it's not pro wrestling because it's like, well, what are you doing? They said in the bash at the beach, dark side of the ring. If you confuse them, you lose them. And unfortunately, uh, for a better part of the match, I thought that the audience uh, during the MMA rules uh, match was confused. I was a little confused. Um, but I was happy to see Shayna Baszler get the win via uh, choke out. She choked out Ronda Rousey. Huge accomplishment. Going to look great in a video package. And I would love for this to be the return of a dominant NXT-style Shayna Baszler. Uh, the idea of that version of Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley on Monday Night Raw for that women's championship is super compelling, right? Like, because Rhea Ripley has just been this badass, but now that Shayna's been established as a legit badass, let's see what happens when Rhea Ripley is met with that energy. She can't plow through her like she did Natalia at the pay-per-view. That's never going to happen with Shayna Baszler. And I think that that's compelling. All right. So my two matches, the ones that I was coming in for, number one, best match on the show, best match of the series of three by a mile, Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. This is uh, everything you wanted this match to be. The first Lesnar-Cody match, Cody snuck one by. The second one, Cody walked in injured, and he ended up getting put in a hold and passing out via pain or, or because of pain. Brock Lesnar is the winner. Now we get the rubber match. And Cody has to go through absolute hell to finally get a victory after an off-the-top rope Cody cutter against Brock Lesnar. And this is what you need out of heroes. This is what I was saying leading into WrestleMania. This, you need to see Cody having to work with his back against the wall, work from underneath so he can finally conquer. Heroes need to conquer. And that's what Cody did, and that's why... 
for the first time in decades, you've got a guy like Cody Rhodes, who adult fans, teenage fans, and little kids are all cheering for. There's no irony to it. There's no, I'm going to boo him because you want me to cheer him. I'm going to boo him because he's too hokey. None of it. All you can do is support Cody. Hey guys, pardon the interruption, but it's for a good reason. Therapy is amazing. I'm not kidding. It helps you understand your emotions. It helps you understand when they might be misplaced, like how you're constantly yelling at your kids when you're actually just stressed about work. With therapy, you can see where those overwhelming feelings are coming from. Therapy helps you recognize them, process them, and move to a brighter future. I mean, it really is important, you know? I mean, you, you realize that you're treating loved ones in a certain way that has nothing to do with them. And, and you don't want to be that person. I've had to stop myself so many times to just reassess what's actually happening. And that's something therapy can just help you get to. It's easy to get started. Uh, all you have to do is just uh, uh, get a the quick questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. If you need to switch therapists, you can easily do that for no additional cost. No question to ask. It's better help. And it's totally online. So you can do therapy whenever or whenever whenever and wherever works for you. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sam Roberts today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sam Roberts. Go there today. BetterHelp.com slash Sam Roberts. I mean... You can you can say, you can support the other guy, but the minute adrenaline in my soul comes on, it's like you're in, you're in, you're 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 there for the ride. Still, we are April, May, June, July, August, four months removed from WrestleMania, and Cody is more popular now than he ever has been to the point that we see this match that I think they were hearkening back to SummerSlam history and John Cena being introduced to Suplex City and Brock Lesnar just wrecking Cody, throwing him out of the ring over and over again. There was the last one where I was like, tell me they're not really gonna do a countout victory here. Brock Lesnar yelling at Cody, it's only gonna get worse. It's only gonna get worse. And finally, Cody getting the victory and, and, you, and, you, and you tune into the press conference and Triple H says that this, what happened after the match was not planned at all. And I believe it because that's the kind of performer that Brock Lesnar is. Brock Lesnar decides to get back in the ring and he hugs Cody and raises, shakes his hand, hugs him, raises his hand. Brock Lesnar's never done that. That's not what Brock Lesnar does. Brock Lesnar declared Cody as the guy. I don't know what better outcome you could have had. If you're still sitting there going like, well, I don't know why this feud started to begin with. You know why the feud started to begin with? Because F Cody Rhodes. Because Brock Lesnar decided, screw that guy. I don't like him. I don't like his face. Why did Brock Lesnar attack Cody Rhodes? He doesn't like Cody's face. He thought Cody thought too much of himself. So he had to bring him back down to reality. And then Cody proved that he is the man that he says he is. And Brock Lesnar gave him that respect. And I think that it was a really, really meaningful gesture. John Cena, in the interview he did with us, talked about energy being transferred. The energy that you build from what you accomplish in a wrestling ring being transferred onto an opponent. And that's what Brock did. He transferred that Brock energy onto Cody Rhodes to put him in a completely different space 
going forward. And people are already talking about WrestleMania 40. I think it's way too early to talk about WrestleMania 40. Because we then go to the last match of the show, the, I think the main event of the show. Oh, oh, and the Slim Jim Battle Royal before I get there. Of course, LA Knight winning the Slim Jim Battle Royal. People go, what does this mean for LA Knight? Is this the beginning of the push? And I was sitting there, right? And I'm watching this Battle Royal. And I'm going, man, if they've got guts, if they've got balls, you have Grayson Waller eliminate LA Knight. If you want to make a heel, because, I mean, winning a battle royal is winning a battle royal. Doesn't really matter. If Grayson Waller eliminates LA Knight, wins this battle royal, and we go forward with LA Knight versus Grayson Waller, and then LA Knight racks up victories against this clown, then it's all good. We can go to payback and have LA Knight beat him one But Grayson Waller got eliminated, and that's when I went, oh, what's this about? I start racking my brain. I'm like, WWE just announced this new Slim Jim partnership. Who better than LA Knight to be the new snap into a Slim Jim guy? Of course, that's why this match exists. Because LA Knight's going to be the new snap into a Slim Jim guy. Lo and behold, LA Knight wins the Battle Royal. And then he's on the big screen talking about snap into a Slim Jim. Look, I do think that this is a positive move in the sense that they're moving him more towards the babyface side of things. I think they'd already started that with his interactions with Hit Row. But I also think that this is not this sort of like, now we start the push. You know, when people start saying that, it's like, where did you read that? What website did you read that on? What Twitter account did you read that on? Like, this, what are we talking about? Well, they decided to, quote, start the push. What is start the push? What, what even is that? There's there, okay. Well, we're not gonna. We're not. We haven't started the push. La Knight's on TV yet, but we haven't pushed it. We we're not. The push hasn't began. Once he wins the battle royal, that will be the beginning of the push. Okay. So when he's on television and he's cutting promos every week, and we're putting him on YouTube, and he's insulting Top Dollar, and he's doing all this stuff, what's he doing? That's well, no, that's not the push. This is the push. I, it's like so ridiculous when you really break down what the conversation sounds like. But I think that they are acknowledging the response and the impact that LA Knight is having on the audience. And I, but I think that they've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. Um, and you know, and maybe that's why he didn't win the United States Open Invitational because he's going to be the Slim Jim guy. So he's got to win the Slim Jim Battle Royal. So. If he's going to do that, he can't also be headed towards the United States Championship, although he probably could. I don't know why he couldn't just do both, right? It's not like they had the United States Championship match on the pay-per-view. Austin Theory was in the Battle Royal. You could have LA Knight and Austin Theory jawjacking during the Battle Royal, and then next week on SmackDown, they get, well, I don't know. You'd have to ask them why that happened. But people were way more curious about why something else happened at SummerSlam, and that was the way, not the fact that but the way that Jay Uso lost to Roman Reigns, um, you know, some were critical about the length of the match. Yeah, I mean, hindsight, they probably could have shaved, I don't know, seven, eight minutes off of it. But also people go like, oh my God, I mean, with the video package and the entrance and this and that, it was almost an hour, it was 45, 50, whatever. The pay-per-view was a long pay-per-view. Don't get me wrong. They could have tightened it up for sure. But they're not taking time away from people, right? Well, yes, that was a long segment. 
when Roman came out to the ring, we were already three plus hours into the pay-per-view. There were three hours of pay-per-view before the bloodline thing even started. Three hours used to be what a typical pay-per-view was anyway. So you still had a pay-per-view length show and then also the bloodline segment, which is a lot for people to sit through. But I mean, it's also not unprecedented, right? I mean, it's not like this is the first four hour pay-per-view. Um, so uh, I think that, uh, uh, I don't know about tribal combat, you know? Um, I enjoyed the match thoroughly. I thought here's where the match was extremely successful. Number one, built more tension between Solo and Roman. Number two, obviously illustrated the extreme division at all points in the Bloodline family. But number three, and I think that this is why the match was as long as it was, by the end of the match, Jey Uso completely looked like a guy who could beat Roman Reigns. I think that the, the point of, of the match by the third act of the match was for fans in the building and watching at home to get so lost in it that you go, oh my God, one, two, ah! And you're buying every single near fall. And you were. By the end of it, Jey Uso looked like a million bucks. He had gone through this entire war and was somehow in this position where he's fighting off Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, like pretty much nobody we've seen do before. Jey Uso looked like a million bucks and the crowd was into everything that he was doing by the end of the match. And that doesn't happen in a short match. That doesn't happen if you don't give it time to really build. That doesn't happen if you're not sitting there telling the story beat by beat throughout. Jay has to really just be dragged through it by Roman Reigns and then have Solo come out and be added to it. Now, at one point, I believe they said that family could not interfere in tribal combat, but I don't know. Maybe that'll be addressed later or not. Uh, but once Jay took that long beating from Roman and then took those shots from Solo, now it's so much more meaningful when Jay mounts his comeback. And I think that that's why the audience was so into it. Of course, uh, the match ends with Jimmy coming out, a hooded figure, interrupts the three count, and it looks like Jay is going to be the tribal chief, the universal champion. And Jimmy comes out, he interrupts the count, exposes himself, takes off his hood and his mask, and there he is. Jimmy Uso has turned on Jay. There's a gasp, an audible gasp from the audience when Jimmy takes his mask down and his hood off. And then they start chanting F Jimmy Uso or F you Jimmy, F you Jimmy, except they use the whole curse word. And then uh, Jimmy hit him with that big super kick, laid Jay out, left as Jay is, is finally getting to his feet, trying to figure out what just happened. Roman is able to hit him with the spear and knock him through the table one, two, three. Now, uh, I was kind of uh, surprised by the reaction uh, online, right? Because if you just pay attention to the reaction in the audience in Detroit, the, the reaction, I rewatched it on, on Peacock just before I came down to record this, just to, to see how it came across. The audience was into everything. 
when you go back and watch that later, you're not going to watch this moment where it's like, oh, that didn't work, right? When Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble back in the day in Philly and it didn't work, that's like a classic clip. The Rock is confused looking at the audience as they're booing Roman Reigns. The audience tells you what's going on. At SummerSlam, the audience told you what's going on. They were shocked that Jimmy Uso interrupted the count and they were furious that Jimmy Uso stopped his brother from winning Tribal Combat, the head of the table, and the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Now, of course, I'm sitting there going, "This, I don't understand why this happened." Right? I don't. I don't. I mean, Jimmy turned on Roman first. You could say, "Well, you know." Jay came in and took glory while Jimmy was injured, while Jimmy was out of action, but that's not really what happened. And Jimmy turned on Roman before anyone. I mean, maybe did Jay, did Jimmy ever beat up Solo? Maybe because Jay beat up Solo? I don't know. But the point is, I'm sitting there going, I'm not sure why this is happening. But... There is a, a, a credit system that is built in storytelling. It's not like buying things, buying a house. If you want to buy a house, if you want to buy a car, the bank, before they give you a loan, is going to check your credit. They're going to check to see when it comes to getting loans, are you good at paying them back or are you bad at paying them back? And if you're bad at paying them back, they're going to go, we don't have faith and your ability to pay back this loan. So we're not gonna give you the money. But if you're good at paying them back, then they're gonna go, you know what, we have faith. We don't know if you're gonna pay this loan back, but we have faith based on your history, based on what you've done. So we'll give you the shot. We'll go ahead and yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna give you the loan. In storytelling, I think that you have to go by the same science. There are many years when the WWE's storytelling was totally fly by the seat of the pants unreliable where if something totally wonky happened, it was naive to say, I'm gonna just wait until next week and see what's happening because you know it's not gonna pay off. And it wasn't even that long ago, right? During the Bloodline story, when the rope broke on Finn Balor, that was crazy. Why did that happen? Oh, I don't know. But that was like two years ago at this point, maybe a year and a half ago, whatever it was, more than a year ago. The fact of the matter is that for since the Sami Zayn part of this story, it's been the best told story in wrestling today and maybe in the history of wrestling. So the idea that we can't wait until Friday to find out why, I think it's like, come on. Now, 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 look, we could get to Friday and it could be like, yeah, that explanation makes no sense. This is dumb. But when I look and they go, I think the bloodline is jumping the shark. And then, and then 36, 24, 36 hours after SummerSlam, people are like, you know, I think the bloodline's getting overexposed. Nobody said that before SummerSlam. People were not saying that. When the bloodline was doing 40 minute promo segments, nobody was like, I think it might be too much bloodline. They were saying, oh my God, this is the best thing in wrestling. So 
you know, I mean, the idea that 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 Jimmy Uso comes out and we're like, why would Jimmy turn on Jay? Now, I think there are a couple of things at play here. Number one, I think tribal combat was a risk. As I said on this podcast, the real strength of the bloodline is not in the lore of the elders and the dynasty. The real strength of the bloodline is its relatability. The real strength of the bloodline is the fact that a lot of us have been under uh, uh, the thumb of a powerful narcissist. A lot of us have been in the Jey Uso position where we know we're better than this, but we, nah, but this is the right decision. Whether it's the boss that we're working for, whether it's the person that we're dating, whether it's our be the best friend we hang out with, whether it's a teacher at school. I know it's not right. I shouldn't put up with it, but it's better to not and just go along with this and support the chief than it is. That's a story we can get behind. When you start getting into the tribal combat stuff and the and the and the elders and the and the and the this and the that, that's where you're starting to more get into lore that doesn't apply to us. So that's a little less relatable. And number two, I really do think that there are a lot of people, myself included, who don't necessarily want to see the Usos fight. Jimmy and Jay Uso are, to me, the greatest tag team that's ever existed in WWE. I don't mind seeing them work solo matches. I don't mind seeing main event Jay come and be main event Jay and main event a show. But if you told me that the Usos were never going to break up officially and never going to fight each other, I'd be totally fine with it. The New Day, I don't think the New Day would benefit at all from ever having a rivalry with each other. If Big E were to come back from his injury, everybody would be thrilled. If he came back from his injury and attacked Kofi Kingston and had the New Day explode, I don't think people would be into it. People like the team better than that. And that's the whole thing with the bloodline, right? When you look at the bloodline, it's like people love that group together. You almost don't want to see it breaking up. I still, like for me, my preference in the whole thing would be that we're clearly going to get some kind of Jimmy Uso versus Jay Uso. It seems like we're headed in this direction of a fatal four-way with Roman, Solo, Jimmy, and Jay. I really would love to see just at the point of the bloodline completely disintegrating, a force from the outside come in and threaten the bloodline and see the bloodline reunite. Throughout this whole story of Roman versus Jay, Roman, Jay has said things like, your family, so I can forgive you, right? This idea that they are still family is still key. Roman doesn't treat Jay like he treats any other opponent. Jay doesn't treat Roman like he treats other opponents. It's not like, this isn't like when Sammy and Roman were feuding. Jimmy and Roman, uh, Jay and Roman feuding is a completely different story. And he said the same, uh, Jay has said the same thing to Solo Sokoa. I would like to see just at the point of no return, something come in and threaten the bloodline and the unit reform and grow stronger. I don't know that that's where it's going to go, but I think it would be the most interesting thing. I think there's still a lot of interesting things to do with the bloodline. Paul Heyman went on in his press conference and said, we're at the bottom of the third. We're doing things that haven't been done in wrestling. You know, yeah, and, and I think that that's key, right? 
Like the idea that we as viewers have the audacity to say, oh boy, this is it. It's over. It's not like you got to give it a little bit of breathing room to find out exactly what's happening. It's interesting because when Brock Lesnar was a villain and when Brock Lesnar was the champion who was not defending his title regularly, everybody poo-pooed him. Everybody was like, Brock sucks. Brock doesn't want to work with people. Brock's not even that good. Brock is unsafe. Brock is this. Brock is that. Now, all of a sudden, people are, are, are coming around to this acknowledgement that Brock is one of the greatest wrestlers that's ever lived. I've been saying this. Brock is one of the greatest superstars to ever live. I think that Roman right now is starting to inch toward that territory where I don't know if it's familiarity breeds contempt, but Roman is starting to get into that position that Brock was in. Like we're seeing in front of us one of the greatest to ever do it. And I don't think we're fully aware that that's what's happening right in front of us. We'll get there. We'll all be there and appreciate it. I just wonder if everyone has fully wrapped their head around that yet. Um, I, for one, am anxious for SmackDown to see what the explanation is. That, to me, within weeks, you have to, you have to spend some weeks going, was it worth it? I mean... I think you got to learn from the WrestleMania thing, right? As wrestling fans, we we have to learn from our past. I've been I, I've I've said this like that's what watch the product is all about. The third pillar, watch the product. The reason you watch the product is so you can learn from what's happened before. A lot of us after WrestleMania were outraged, didn't understand. We figure here's what a lot of people thought that Vince McMahon showed up the day of WrestleMania and went, nope, Roman's going to win. And we said, this is, this is BS. I'm not watching anymore. This is nonsense. And then you let the story play out for the next four months and you realize, oh, there was a whole plan here. There was some whole other, other stuff happening here. And the fact is that both Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Everybody involved with them and the product as a whole is much better and much healthier than it was at or before WrestleMania. So I think that that when the unexpected happens, like Jimmy Uso turning on Jay, we have just because we can't exactly explain it, and just because we can't figure out exactly where it's going right now doesn't mean that based on what we've seen over the last year, we can't give them that credit for their story and say, okay, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to see. I'm going to see. Okay, I, didn't, I don't know. I don't know about this, but I didn't know about the last thing and you proved me wrong. So I'm going to see. And see what you got for me with this Jimmy thing. There are certainly ways that it could go well, obviously. So I'm going to see. And I'm going to get back to you. We should know within a couple weeks where it's going. And if it was the right call. But that's a couple of weeks away. That's not today. 
So that was SummerSlam for me. I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching it and uh, uh, a lot uh, a lot there to unpack. A lot to unpack. I'm really interested to hear what you thought of it. You can leave your thoughts either in the YouTube comments or the uh, Apple iTunes reviews or wherever you want to leave it. I just like to read it. I like, uh, I like discussion. I like wrestling discourse. That's what Not Sam Wrestling is all about after all. Um, speaking of conversation, you know, big news on the AEW front. Uh, uh, of course... The Elite officially re-signing. It was announced by AEW that uh, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, and Kenny Omega had all re-signed. I don't think that they specifically said how long the Elite had re-signed for, but the E in AEW remains with AEW for the next however many years. It's an official re-signing. And I think that that's really good, you know. I think that that as as great as WWE is getting right now, part of the reason, and this is what we said at the beginning of AEW launching, is that there's there's competition. That the industry as a whole is healthy, and you want AEW to be as good as possible. Number one, it's going to make WWE better, but number two, it's just more great wrestling shows for us to watch. Um, and I think that it also like. Is a, is a solid note that some of the most important people in the company are going, no, 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 no. There's still growth here. There's still work to be done. And there's still good things that are happening here that are going to continue to happen here. When you look at guys that have options and they choose one over the other, it makes you go like, okay, there's stuff going on. And that's a good thing. You know, one of the things going on at AEW is, of course, the big... Uh, Adam Cole, MJF uh, story that we've been talking about a lot here on the show. Um, certainly what, my favorite thing right now in AEW is that story. I thought MJF's promo was great on Dynamite. Great, great promo. Um, and it did build to finally announcing the main event for All In is going to be Adam Cole versus MJF. And what right now is a babyface versus babyface scenario. MJF comes out and... and tells the audience about growing up and being bullied and, and, and he attributes really most of his heelish ways to a defense mechanism, to the fact that, look, I was bullied as a kid and, and this is what I did to cope. Talk about the anti-Semitism that he faced, the, the quarters being thrown at him. And Adam Cole comes out and he goes, I'm not going to give you a match. No, 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 I'm going to give you the match. And because he and Adam Cole have bonded so tightly, even though they didn't win the tag team championship, they're headed to all in as best friends to compete for the AEW championship. Now, a lot of people are of the belief that this is where Adam Cole should turn on MJF. It's, it's really interesting, and I'm with it. A lot of people that I speak with are of the opinion that this is where MJF stays, that, that MJF, we, he's faked this out before, that this is finally the big baby face turn. And it won't be a traditional baby face, more of like a, an, an, an anti-hero type of baby face. But a, a, a good guy nonetheless, right? He's still a scumbag, but he's our scumbag. That type of MJF. And I think that this is an inevitability. I think that there's only so far that MJF is gonna be able to, take being a villain only because people like him so much. 
So it's led to a lot of people going, and that's where Adam Cole turns heel. And I think that Adam Cole could benefit by being a villain in AEW. I don't think that that would be a bad thing at all. Um, I just think that CM Punk should be involved. Look, the way that I think about it is from the perspective of it has been announced that All In's going to be on pay-per-view. So as I've been saying the last couple weeks, you need a main event for All Out as well. Something's got to happen at All In that's going to lead us to buying a pay-per-view the next week. And it certainly could be a rematch, right? It could be Adam Cole, you know, does something cheap, turns heel, wins the AEW championship, and MJF wants it back right away and wants his rematch a week later. Um, but I kind of feel like a CM Punk heel turn is inevitable. And I know I've talked about this before, but CM Punk even doing the Hogan stuff in his match with Ricky Starks, it's like the idea that CM Punk is playing a Hogan-type person and beating Ricky Starks on television, who is this young up-and-coming guy that deserves the spotlight, I feel like they're throwing it to us. Like, he's gonna turn heel. I also think at this point in his career, CM Punk would be a great villain. And I just feel like there's a reason that the uh, fact that there are two AEW champions hasn't even been broached. The reason that MJF didn't come out to interrupt CM Punk, the reason that neither one of them have mentioned the other one is because you don't want to tip your hat to it because it's coming and you don't want to have, let you don't want people to be on the lookout for it. I really think that that's what's happening. And I think that, that what I would do is have, uh, I think here's how you can do it, right? Uh, you want, I would almost want to build like CM Punk and Adam Cole as double villains, okay? So I think at uh, All In, you have CM Punk come out and cost MJF the championship. And and MJF like can't believe that 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 CM Punk has done this, but moreover, Adam Cole is almost in a state of shock, right? Like Adam Cole is like, what? I don't want it's almost like Shawn Michaels at the end of the Montreal screw job, where he leaves the ring like he didn't want to win this way, but oh, I'm so frustrated, but he takes the title with him anyway, right? That's the Adam Cole we get. And MJF stands up and he looks at CM Punk and CM Punk after, and he's just wrestled Adam Cole for like an hour. CM Punk beats him down, beats him, you know, uses foreign objects, does all this stuff, right? And then at the very last shot, after MJF is laid out, bloodied and on the ground, and CM Punk is standing over him with the X'd out AEW championship, CM Punk takes out a single quarter not a, not, not, not a whole bunch of them, not a sack full of quarters, just a single quarter and throws it at MJF and walks out. And the entire stadium boos him as he leaves the United Kingdom. He's done the unthinkable. Well, now MJF wants a shot immediately. So he challenges CM Punk to a match at All Out. A week later, 
He goes, punk, not only am I going to beat you, I'm going to beat you in your hometown. I'm going to go to your hometown and your own fans are going to cheer for me. And I'm going to humiliate and embarrass you in front of your hometown the way you did to me at the biggest wrestling show that's ever existed, right? Because they want to blow up all in as much as possible. So you have the match. It's CM Punk versus uh, MJF. A, a knockdown drag out, great match. Adam Cole screws MJF. Adam Cole interferes. MJF goes down. CM Punk beats MJF. Chicago now boos CM Punk. Adam Cole and CM Punk leave laughing at MJF. And now MJF has to go on a hunt. MJF, to reclaim what is his and what has always been his, has to beat two champions. MJF has to get his title back from Adam Cole and he's got to beat CM Punk. He's got to win two separate matches to unify the titles himself. Today, as we speak, that's where I would go. Uh, real quick on the news and notes end of things. Just want to give a quick shout out. I hope the rumors are true. They're saying a couple of things. Number one, Nick Aldis might be getting a WWE producer job. I read that on the internet. I hope that's true. I had Nick Aldis right here in this studio after he left NWA. And rumors are that Kari Sane might be coming back to WWE. Maybe like September, October. Woo! Read that on the internet. Hope it's true. But the other thing that I always like to read on the internet is, of course, emails. You want to talk to us here at Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, get your thoughts out there. Uh, email us, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. I'm sure we got a lot coming off of SummerSlam. Notsamwrestling at gmail.com is our email address. And of course, speculate wildly. Do not fantasy book Randy Orton and watch the product. Let's go to Brian. Big fan, sorry I couldn't make it to your live show. I'm sorry you didn't too, but one of my life rules is to avoid Detroit. Do you think Finn Balor will ever hold a world title again? Man, I hope so, but I don't know what the scenario would be. A guy can only lose so many times. I don't think in the near future. I don't see how it would happen, but I, w I really would like to see it happen. I'm a big Finn Balor fan. I think it should. Um, Anthony says... Uh, just wanted to share a little testimony. My daughter broke her arm this weekend. I'm sorry to hear that. So we've been relaxing on the couch, getting some much needed rest. That's not so bad. She never watches wrestling with me, but on this day, she had no choice. I love that. Long story short, by the end of the opening match at SummerSlam, she was hooked. I love, love it. Paul and Ricochet put on such a good match that my unbiased non-wrestling fan daughter was enthralled. I guess my point is Paul and Ricochet are so underrated. These guys, specifically Paul, will probably never get the credit they deserve. How about that? Logan Paul is looked at as an outsider, but the reality is we see it right there in black and white. He's drawing new fans in. He and Ricochet together drawing new fans in. Full credit to both of them. I love those stories. Nothing like having your kid watch wrestling. It's really cool. Uh, Austin really enjoyed watching you on Ultimate SummerSlam. Yes, had a great time doing the Ultimate Show. Maybe my favorite episode of the Ultimate Show we've ever done in three seasons. Me, Matt Camp, Kaz, and uh, Ryan. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on Peacock. I don't know if it's in the WWE Network uh, uh, out of the country uh, internationally. But uh, yes, um, check it out, the Ultimate Show. We booked the Ultimate SummerSlam card. 
Really enjoyed watching on the Ultimate SummerSlam. Do you think we could realistically see Roman and Brock team up in the near future? Not against Cena and Orton, as I would not want to break the rule of fantasy booking Randy Orton. I think the duo for them to face would be Seth and Cody. What do you think? So that's what we booked, right? We booked as the main event for uh, Ultimate SummerSlam, Roman and Brock versus John Cena and Randy Orton. I think Roman and Brock would be a great tag team together. I don't think Seth and Cody would be the opponents. I think Roman and Brock teaming, I think Brock Lesnar is a babyface after SummerSlam. It just is what it is. I think Roman will eventually get to be a babyface. I think Roman and Brock is a babyface tag team, believe it or not, would be what I would want to see. Not for as a, for a run, but for a match, for a night. I think Roman and Brock as a babyface tag team versus two big heels would be a lot of fun. Roman and Brock versus like Solo and whoever. A heel Drew McIntyre or something like that would be a lot of fun. Uh... Kanjay, I love your podcast, but I noticed that you say that the Money in the Bank win is not the star-making moment. The cash-in is. No offense, but I think you're wrong. Yeah, right. I think you're wrong. It's the title reign, or in the case of Edge and CM Punk with their feuds with Cena and Hardy, the story that matters. No. Just look at Jack Swagger or The Miz, whose reign led to WrestleMania. You hate with the trash ending. I'm not crazy, right? Not No, of course you are. It's the, the, the whole point is, is the moment that they get not, and not everyone has worked, but what makes Dolph Ziggler's money in the bank victory so important is his cash in. He didn't even have a run as champion. He got injured like immediately, but the cash in was everything, you know, Rob Van Dam, nobody remembers him winning the briefcase but everybody remembers him beating John Cena at ECW One Night Stand. He didn't hold the title for any amount of time. He got suspended. The, 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 to me, the value for a person is when they cash it in, not the rain. The rain, I'm not saying, uh, the rain is part two of the story, right? A rain is, a good rain is only going to add to the story. But there are plenty of examples of, not great reigns, but I mean, even the Miz thing, right? The Miz's reign was terrible. It was a horrible reign as champion after he won the Money in the Bank briefcase. But the cash in and the lead there was, you know, he wrestled like Jerry Lawler and then he had a bad main event with John Cena at WrestleMania 27 and then he lost the title. So like, it wasn't a good reign, the first one. But when he cashed it in and we got angry Miz girl, it made him, made him. It's the cash-in, bro. I was right. Uh, Ultra Boy, finisher Mount Rushmore. I know for sure that RKO and Stunner are absolute must, but here's what I'm also thinking. The Tombstone, Atomic Leg Drop. Um, come on, you just... You literally said the finisher Mount Rushmore, and then you sent, like, 15 different finishers. Like, what, what even is this? You want me to do a whole episode? I'm trying to read an email. Avery... Hey, Sam, I just got done watching SummerSlam. I no longer understand the bloodline story. <laughs> I think that a lot of people were in that boat. Why would Jimmy turn on Jay if Jimmy wanted to take down Roman Reigns in the first place? But I guess we know the main event to payback. Look, first of all, to write an email, I like the opening line. You're lucky I like the opening line because clearly I'm going to talk about that on the podcast. But that goes back to it. I have no idea why Jimmy would turn on Jay. But I'm willing to hear him out. I'm not going to sit there and go like, this doesn't make any sense and it's dumb. I don't know if it's dumb yet. 
A lot of people will tell you it's dumb. We don't know if it's dumb. Let's wait and find out if it's dumb. Uh, this is a great email. Franco writes in, Jey Uso versus Jimmy Uso is going to be the main event for payback. He'll come back from his injured ribs and cost him the match versus Roman at SummerSlam. He will agree with Solo that the injury and beatdown was all Jay's fault. And then he replies to that email and just writes, told ya. <laughs> um, Dylan says, uh, Sam, you spent some time with the dude. Was that Matt Camp screaming, do it for Jimmy and why Solo Y during the main event on Saturday? It was around the time that Solo showed up and they were fighting in the crowd. It might have been, but you would have had to hear him all the way from Stanford. And you might have. You might have, because that guy's got a loud voice. So it could have been, but Matt Camp was not in the arena at the time, to my knowledge. Uh, Shyamo, was Wendy Richter getting screwed in her match against Spider Lady, the biggest mistake in women's wrestling history? I don't know. I mean, mistake? Like, I... I don't know. Was Wendy sticking around? I, I, I don't know. I don't know, Shamo. I don't know. Uh, Wrestling Minute says, honest thoughts on Eva Marie. I thought they had Eva Marie perfect right before her suspension. When Eva Marie kept coming out and having reasons not to wrestle, wardrobe malfunction. Sick. Eva Marie will not be able to compete tonight. Eva Marie will not be able to compete tonight. I thought that was the best thing ever. I loved that gimmick. To the point where... If you remember, she got suspended right before SummerSlam. But it was building to the fact that she had a SummerSlam match. And the big thing was, is she actually going to compete? I love that storyline. I thought that when she came back, her being a manager to Piper Niven would have been interesting. Her wrestling pipe didn't make any sense. So I, I, I thought her return was a misstep. But I, I, like, I don't know what the thought was behind it, but I thought that, uh, yeah, her run is the person who didn't want to wrestle and would come up with BS response reasons to not wrestle. Was, I thought that was great, actually. Uh, Josh, uh, I'm, concern, I'm concerned about the sudden concern over women in wrestling. Okay. I'm a white male that watches television programs. I'm glad you covered it. I'm, I was wondering. Uh, with that out of the way, I have two opinions. Number one, watching AEW All Access, the booking of the women's matches and general lack of promos and stories. I can't believe the rumors coming out of the AEW locker room. Which, by the way, the reason we didn't talk about the rumors coming out of the AEW locker room is because they're rumors coming out of a locker room. You know how many times I've been? If I had a dime for every time I've been in an AEW locker room, I would have zero dimes. All we can do is read Twitter. And while uh, speculating wildly is fair, it felt irresponsible to talk about something that I had so little knowledge of. Um, number two, I strongly disagree with the stance on WWE women. Rhea doesn't have a match because everyone that steps to her is immediately put on the injury list. Becky Trish isn't on the show. They had several PLEs. Look, I mean, I, I think that, that AEW does need to do a better job telling stories with their women, but I think there are a lot of men that need better stories too. I, I think that AEW in recently, aside from like some of the stuff on Collision and MJF versus Adam Cole, the one knock on AEW is that they're not as story oriented as maybe they should be. So that relates directly to the women's division as well. But I don't think the WWE has that problem. I could see where, you know, people want more women representation at SummerSlam and that's cool, but there were two women's matches there weren't that, there were what, seven matches total? Something like that? 
Two of them were women's matches. One of them was a women's match that had a storyline that was not a title match. So, you know, I, I don't think that... I don't think that that's happening so much in WWE, to tell you the truth, but what do I know? Um, Jackie says... Uh, MJF and Cole will end with MJF winning clean. Both will celebrate as friends respectfully. Cole leaves, goes up the ramp, and Punk comes out to attack and brutalize the only friend MJF has ever had to set up the main event for the next pay-per-view being Punk and MJF, match that we were supposed to get with the heel and face rolls flipped. Enter the CM Punk reign of terror. I like my version way better than yours. Way better. Uh, Timothy says... Love the show. Thanks for the soundtrack to my Monday morning commute. Hopefully Tuesday's okay. Quick question. Did you notice on SmackDown last week when Roman came to the ring, it was the first time that Paul Heyman was not carrying the two former undisputed championships. It seems like they were using the ceremonial lay as more of a mantle to replace the former championships. However, later in a backstage segment, the two former undisputed championships were on display in the background. Then later in the show, a promo graphic of Roman had Paul Heyman pictured with the two championships for the first time ever in a graphic. What's up with that? So where are they going with this? Are they using a few with Jey Uso in the battle over the tribal chief to transition from two titles? No, I think that uh, why not just get rid of the two championships when Triple H gave him the new title? I think that it's because they just want Roman to look larger than life. They want Roman to have this collection of trophies everywhere that he goes. There's a reason why Roman wears the big gold belt that's new and Paul Heyman carries the old WWE championship and the old Universal championship. It's because they just want Roman to have this decoration wherever he goes. You know, the way boxers will, will have like a ton of titles with them because they just keep winning. Um, I think in this specific story, a lot was put on being the tribal chief and almost, uh, uh, it almost overshadowed the universal championship to tell you the truth. Um, but no, I, 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 think it's, I think it's just a matter of the, yeah, I think Paul Heyman will continue to hold those two titles and I think it's just a matter of, of Roman having as many trophies as humanly possible. Uh, Loyola, I can't see your name from there. Loyola, Loyola. I love listening to your shows all the time. You mentioned something recently about haters and wrestling. I live in the UK and we enjoy tribalism in football. We cheer our teams and dislike our rivals. What is wrong in wrestling uh, fans taking sides and hating each other? I have been a WWE fan for over 30 years and I don't like AEW. I don't watch their product nor their style and certainly was very offended when Tony Khan consistently threw insults at WWE people like Dave Meltzer always sucking up to them and putting down WWE. Okay, well, number one, I don't think there's anything wrong with tribalism in wrestling. Number two, however, I do think, I don't think there's anything wrong with tribalism in wrestling. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I watch WWE because it's the best and I like it. I think that if you criticize a product, you should be following the rules. If you're going to tell me that you don't like something, I'm going to ask you why you don't like it. And if you tell me, I don't like it because this, that, and this, and that you don't watch the show, well, then I don't take you seriously. That's not, you can't dislike something that you don't watch. However, you can watch WWE and not want to watch AEW, but then just talk to me about why you like WWE. Just talk to me, oh, WWE is the best because this. WWE is the best because that. Don't talk to me about stuff that you don't watch because you don't know. But you can feel free to talk to me all day and night about the stuff that you do watch. And that goes on both sides. If you watch AEW all the time and you never watch WWE, don't tell me how much better AEW is than WWE. Just tell me how good AEW is. 
Does that make sense? Um, Ready, Richard uh, says, why does Eddie Thorpe's music go so hard? Not as hard as Kidman's music. You can run if you want to, but you can't hide. Eddie Thorpe's music does go hard. Uh, Rob, killer podcast, listening to it all the way from Australia. Appreciate you. If you could book either WWE wrestler below as champ from the 90s that didn't win, who would you choose? Okay. Okay. I'm putting one of these guys as champion. Vader, Bam Bam Bigelow, Ken Shamrock, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon. Vader. I would put Vader as champ. I love all of them. Love Bam Bam. Love Owen. Love Razor. I don't think Razor ever needed the world title. I don't think Owen ever needed the world title. Yeah, I think I think Vader as a, 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 a world champion that you can't beat uh, would have been absolutely uh, awesome. Uh... All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm not going any. I'm not going any further. I'm not going any further. We've had some great emails. I don't want to mess it up. So we're gonna end it there. I appreciate all of you. Don't forget to subscribe to the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. You can listen to the show on uh, Apple, on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, leave a rating. If you're listening on Apple, leave a rating and a review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Hit like. Subscribe. Turn your notifications on. Watch another video on the channel. Enjoy yourselves. We'll see you next week here on Not Sam Wrestling.